श्री गुरुदेव की जय श्री सतबुज को रंग की जय हरिनाम प्रभु की जय श्री चैतन्य धाम की जय गौर भक्त वृंद की जय गौर प्रमान प्रणाम तो गुड मॉर्निंग वृंदावनिया It's a way of trying to also yeah get to know more in detail our legacy if you will our our DNA our background and sometimes people in this world want to know I don't know who are their ancestors and make some DNA test and and they can gr- like grasp some influences that make them who they are on some level at least of the sense of personality <laughs> in one sense is in we are trying to do some form of dna test here <laughs> trying to 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 grasp now which has our roots in the context of the our godia lineage of course in, in the beginning we may not have too much of a of a clue about that we come and we have okay krishna and prasad and devotees and it's okay i mean we can get all the overwhelming information in one single shot <laughs> but in time naturally it's interesting to to know where all this is coming from basically and as we mentioned who are the <clears throat> the masterminds of our sampradaya of our school of thought how they were uh, masterminded by mahaprabhu himself if you will <laughs> because as we mentioned the other day and today i would like to concentrate of course also on the figure of chela rupa goswami um, and he was a mastermind in connection to Ma- to his oh, sorry I'm making a play of words but his he was mastermind in connection to his master's mind so chitanya manobishtam stuff so was able to know what which what was in the in his master's mind his prabhu's manas so before going there just a brief recap of what we studied briefly yesterday we were speaking about um a little bit some words on, on the meaning of godia vaishnavism on what's the very meaning on some level at least of godia vaishnavism of godia of vaishnavism how all this converges in the figure of mahaprabhu because godia has to do with what mahaprabhu is about internally and externally in the form of dispensation and vaishnavism has a lot to do with the vaishnavas and mahaprabhu is krishna as a vaishnava taste testing something in particular and therefore extending a particular experience to all of us so i mean we cannot i mean mahaprabhu is our istadev in gaudiya vaishnavism basically in gaudiya vedanta he is the presiding deity of our sampradaya which as we know the word the very word sampradaya has to do with uh pradaya and pradaya means like a profuse giving of something in particular some something in a full way in a very comprehensive way 
a particular type of thought, if you will. Sampradaya could be translated as a school of thought. So a particular thought is given. Some thoughts in certain direction, as we say, yes, there are also a particular focus in regarding transcendence. It's a very unique and specific tradition. And at the same time, that we are very specific doesn't mean we have to become uh, sectarian in the in the negative sense of the term, because sometimes these two ideas may conflict with one another. No, you you are in a really very detailed and a specific tradition how to remain universal <laughs> while, while, while becoming more and more specific because the more we progress in, in our practice, naturally the more... It's a relationship. I mean, we are developing a relationship with Bhagavan, so supposedly your relationship will go from generic, abstract to extremely intimate and specific. It's like basically with, I think, every relationship. In the beginning, you meet someone and you fall in love and that falling in love is still an abstraction with all respect, in the sense of all the details are yet to come. <laughs> and then you will realize how much you fell in love. <laughs> no? and, and of course the tests come, and, and, and the relationship comes, and the details come, but all those details, by if properly dealt with, constitute the very uh, foundation and life of the relationship. And, and, and the, the first days of the falling in love, I mean, are appreciated, but are not enough to just keep the relationship going. Do you remember those three days when we met, and <laughs> spring was there, and we were just like throwing some flowers to the air, and we were just... Um, yeah, it was nice, but life moves, goes on. <laughs> like I used to say, you know, if, it's like if I go to my mom and say, Mom, it was so nice when you were giving me your breast milk. Can we return to that chapter one more time? And she'll say, no, no, no. <laughs> because it was, it was beautiful, we have to make that more beautiful in this particular chapter. So now you go to work and whatever. <laughs> and harmony and bring milk to the house and <laughs> something like this. So, so in a similar way, in our tradition, we are to, to progress towards specificity in a gradual way, not in a forced way, but naturally our progress should go in the direction of becoming more acquainted, and not only, again, not only with who Krishna is, who Mahaprabhu is, but who are his, who represent his, how to say, his alankar, his ornamentation. <laughs> um, because he, that's who he is, basically, that's an important point in our Gaudiya Vaishnava tradition. You cannot speak about Krishna, as we say yesterday, without speaking about love of Krishna and how that love of Krishna is qualifying Krishna in a particular way. Mm -hmm. You put a particular type of bhakti next to Bhagavan, to the Absolute, and he will take a particular form. Mm -hmm. you, you invoke the presence of Hanuman and Sadhguru Mahaprabhu will just remain with a bow and an arrow, basically. <laughs> Because Hanuman's Bhakti will invoke that particular form. I mean, the other four arms will be there, but there are two that will shine more brightly <laughs> in the presence of someone like Hanuman. Because again, a particular type of Bhakti creates a particular type of Bhagavan. Creates. No, try to follow my poetry. No, I'm not saying. But that's the definition of Bhagavan in the Bhagavatam. I really like that definition. The Srimad Bhagavatam says, Bhagavan Bhakta Bhakti Mam. Who is, Bhakti, who is Bhagavan for us, for the Bhagavatam? 
Bhagavan is the bhakta of his bhaktas. That's Bhagavan. Brahman, Pramatma, other features of divinity, as we know, all-pervading, effulgence, localized, uh, inner guide for those who are not necessarily connected with bhakti, but the more bhakti enters into our life, Bhagavan starts to be the, the deity, if you will. And there are so many faces of Bhagavan. And, and Bhagavan has all to do with reciprocation with bhakti. And we have Bhagavan Narayan, Bhagavan Ramachandra, Bhagavan Krishna, Dwarka, Mathur, Braj, Bhagavan Sri Gauranga. And why do, so many Bhagavans? Because so many uh, flavors of devotion, basically, that create, that carve, if you will, in a poetic way, the figure of, of Bhagavan, the form of, of, of our deities carving out as a result of a particular bhakti impacting Bhagavan, he appears in, in this way, like, like ourselves. You know? If we, you know, if our grandmother comes, we will be carved as grandsons, and we will behave accordingly. You won't behave with your grandmother as your wife or your boss or whatever, in this particular rasa there, if you will. So that applies to us here in human relationships, you know, and your son comes and you, you become a father. I mean, you already are a father, but <laughs> you enter into that mm. rasa, if you will. Uh, your wife comes, that's another way of dealing with it, and, and so on. Mm. So similarly, originally, mm. the the type of affection you you present to Bhagavan that may, will make him reciprocate accordingly. According to how you approach me, I transform myself into the proper object of devotion. The Bhagavatam says the similar thing. Uh, what's the verse? Paribhavita harit saroja. How does it begin? Sutrakshito. I said, okay. <laughs> Basically it says, according to how each of your devotees, Brahma is praying here, according to how each of your devotees is worshipping you, meditating in you, you will appear to them in a corresponding form. But it also says Srutekshita. So it means it's not, it doesn't mean that okay, so that will be I will meditate in Krishna having a blue jeans and riding a motorbike Harley Davidson and he has to appear like that to reciprocate with my back. No, it's not like that. It's not like a whimsical parade of possibility. <laughs> but Sruta ikshita. No? Sruta means hear, hearing and ikshita means seeing. No? So seeing through the ears, which means according to how the different forms of Bhagavan are revealed to Sruti or to Shastra, no? there are certain possibilities. It's not like whatever you think he has to appear. But among the different varieties of possibilities in connection with Bhagavan, which are a lot, <laughs> no? according to how you meditate in one of them, he will appear accordingly eventually as a fruit of your meditation. So, again, this important point, Bhagavan is the devotee of his devotee. He lives to reciprocate to Bhakti Bhagavan, Bhakta, Bhakti Man. That's the very idea of Bhagavan. Again, the idea of God, as we generally conceive that in our um, Abrahamic sensibilities, Judeo-Christian DNA, in some of us at least, is more 
akin to. Yeah, sorry, I'm exercising my English. You have to. I need some. <laughs> akin to the notion of Paramatma, generally. Because for us, generally, God has to do with the world and us here in the world. But the Bhagavatam says, Bhagavan, Bhagavan, Bhakta, Bhakti, Maham. <laughs> He's somewhere else playing with his devotees. But Paramatma is the one dealing with the world and the jivas on this planet. So the jivas without bhakti and the more sarup shakti and bhakti enters into our life more bhagavan paramatma becomes bhagavan let's say no? in our heart mm. my guru Mahal said the more paramatma becomes kicked out and replaced by <laughs> bhagavan as a famous example of sri hanumanji mm. he tears apart his chest no paramatma long no longer paramatma there but sitara he sees that there so, in the same way, Bhagavan Bhakta Bhakti Ma. So, some ideas which are, I, I'm still in my, <laughs> in the recap from yesterday, but some other ideas came in between. I know that Brigupa becomes a little bit nervous when my summers become more than 10 minutes. He knows that. You can see his arms. <laughs> By mudra, he's pointing at all the different things. Finish timing sensibilities. <laughs> <laughs> so, we spoke about yesterday about that Vaishnavism and how love of God is for us, in one sense, above God. Not because God is God is less, but because if there is love of God, God will be there. My Guru Mahesh will say, you can speak about God and people may say, I believe, I don't believe about God. But if you say, if you meet someone who loves God, that will be much more difficult to deny. The example that of that person, whatever is like overwhelm, overflowing from those type of personalities, their example, the way they live their life, their ideals, hmm, that's complex to to deny totally, as we may deny the so-called invisible reality of God. So love of God further confirms, if you will, the presence of God. Whatever there is love of God, there he has to be. Sadhava hridayam mayam sadunam hridayam tvaham says, Bhagavan Narayan, what to speak Krishna Golok. Hmm? Hmm. He says, in my heart are my devotees, my devotees are my heart. I'm in their hearts, they are in my heart. Hmm? And I don't know anyone apart from them, they do not know anyone apart from me. Basically, we are really falling in love. <laughs> and that falling in love doesn't last for a week or three days or something. <laughs> hmm. so, so, we share some ideas about that yesterday. I will share some notions on Srila Gopal Bhatta Goswami's mm. Tirubhav Mahotam and his life and, and contribution amongst the contributions of the six Goswamis to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So today we will continue sharing some notions on Srila Rupa Goswami, mm. who is the next Goswami who met Sri Chaitanya Dev after Sri Gopal Bhatta. Mm. And, uh, and again, all this in the context of What's the contra- I mean, so many things can be said about Srila Rupa Goswami. <laughs> I know of devotees that sometimes organize also like whole series of lectures on Rupa Goswami for days and days and days. And so, and, and it's yet not enough. That's the point. And that's the idea. No? When we organize those, the other day some devotees organize for Guru Purnima also like a what? Like a whole week of Hari, or no, I don't know, if a week, but at least three, four days without stop, 24 hours about speaking about glories of Sri Guru 
And the ideas, of course, it's not that you reach a point where you say, oh, I don't know what else we can say, but you finish the whole thing, I feel so much more can be said. This is not enough. So we need eternity. Eternity is necessary for the fullest expression of Harikata. Anantakata arasasya, Kim Brahma Janma Vinantakata arasasya. So, so the real experience of Harikata is, is, is that. It, real Harikata will get you closer to eternity. Because you will speak and hear and, and, and go into this type of uh, uh, dissatisfaction, transcendental dissatisfaction, <laughs> not mundane dissatisfaction. That you speak about Krishna, but there is something telling you, uh, I can never say enough. We can always say something more. We can always say something more. What's, what's Vedanta saying about that? So it's not so much that we cannot say anything about the Absolute, but we cannot never say enough. So let's continue, and let's continue, and let's continue, forever, for eternity. So, but something, and we will try to make justice to the figure of Sirupa Goswami by at least trying to say something invoking his blessings. So, as we mentioned before, Sri Chaitanya Manovish comes to Apitam Yenabhutali. I give myself, I throw myself to the lotus feet of Sri Rupa. Why? Because he is the mastermind of the master's mind. He really knew what's in the mind of Mahaprabhu, which is not an easy affair. I mean, you have to enter into the mind of Mahaprabhu and come back alive to tell the world what's that about. That's not a joke. And, and, and not only that, but to establish a whole system, a whole systematic approach to Mahaprabhu's mind, to Mahaprabhu's desires, to Mahaprabhu's mission, basically. That's the mission of Mahaprabhu. Was, I remember once, one sannyasi, a good friend of mine in Govard, and he told me intensely, he looked at my eyes and opened, like, I opened his eyes like this, basically. <laughs> And I was with him, my eyes open like this as well, hearing him, you know, he told me like, Maharaj, do you know what's, what's Mahaprabhu's, what does it mean to belong to Mahaprabhu's mission? And of course, last thing I will say is yes. <laughs> <laughs> so do you know what does, it, and he said in such a way that of course the answer should be no. <laughs> so do you know what does it mean to belong to Mahaprabhu's mission? No, I have no clue. So please tell me. <laughs> I know whatever you have to tell me is not what I'm planning to say. So I don't know. Please tell me. So I say, what? Mahapra what's Mahaprabhu's mission? It's Mahaprabhu's mind and desires. Whatever are his desires, that's the mission. Whatever mission we have, institution, buildings, we call that a mission. We tend to identify the idea of mission with the heart uh, form, if you will, of institution. But mission also means... I have a mission in my life, no? like ideal, no? and that's a mission. And we, we may put some bricks together to facilitate the, the attaining of the inner mission, but mission is never only <laughs> an external stuff. That's what Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta himself said. No? I mean, they are misunderstanding all this marble here in the Vagvasar. I put together all this marble to facilitate <laughs> the... the the pursuit of, of, of the ideal of Gaudiya Vedanta, of Mahaprabhu's inner desire, but they are getting entangled and attached to some bricks and marble and some corner where to sleep. This is my room, this is my seat, 
for here in Maharashtra's class, all of you are sitting in the same place, so always be careful. <laughs> it all begins with the attachment to where you sit in class. <laughs> and he say, I mean, they are misunderstanding the, the purpose of the mission. Because if there is someone who really gave shape to the notion of mission as an institution in, in Gaudiya Vedanta, that was Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati. <laughs> he really made this idea of mission and the math the monastics and the and of course that will further expand it then but he gave make the point i mean you are not he said if you get entangled into all these bricks put together and you only think in terms of mission in relation to the how to say heart heart institution not the subtle form of it better i will sell all the marble right now and let's print books and let's go deep into what the books have to tell about and let's understand what's the mission the real mission <laughs> so similarly uh, <clears throat> again Mahaprabhu has a mind has a desire or three desires if you will many more but three con- described as three but Krishna Kaviraj Krishna and there is a mission coming out of that because he has a mission Gorlila is Krishna in a mission Basically, <laughs> you have that expression in English, like "I'm on a mission." On a mission. On a mission. Okay, so Gorlila is Krishna on a mission, a particular type of adventure, if you will, trying to taste Radhavatma. Who knows what will happen? Who knows how the <laughs> the mission will end? Will he be successful or not? What will happen in the midst and so on? So many nuanced elements there. So Rupa Goswami's generally pointed as that person and that's why sometimes all our six Goswamis are kind of put together under the shelter or shade of Srila Rupa Goswami even though Srila Sanatana Goswami is the, the elder in the context of Gaur Lila and Rupa Goswami himself refers or to Sanatana Goswami as such uh, at the same time in many ways Srila Rupa Goswami is really mastermind of the Gaudiya Sampradaya. There is one nice verse in Chaitanya Charitamrita that my Guru Maharaj likes to, to quote, which is one of the few verses in Sanskrit from in Chaitanya Charitamrita that is composed by Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami himself, and which depict the condition of Rupa Goswami, the, the function of Rupa Goswami as mastermind of the Gaudiya Sampradaya. So I, I will share it with you for a moment. You may know it, but this is in Madhya Lila, chapter 19, first verse, the very first verse of chapter 19, Madhya Lila, which has to do with this section where Mahaprabhu is um, instructing Rupa Goswami and empowering Rupa Goswami. So generally, many of these chapters, I don't know if in every chapter, maybe Brigupat may tell me, but in almost all the chapters of Chaitanya Chaitanya, there is one first verse who will given in a seed way. I don't know if every single chapter has that verse. Everyone? Every single chapter. No, okay. Not every single chapter. Okay. We have some <laughs> diversity of opinion. Least, here. At least in two chapters it's the same. Mm-hmm. same I'm not saying the same verse in every chapter. I'm saying if every chapter has a seed verse that uh, that presents what the chapter is about. Yeah, no, no, I mean that there's at least two chapters that have the same seed verse. But almost every chapter has its own seed verse. But not all. No okay. <laughs> we'll continue later with the discussion. No problem. <laughs> have the, the char and the successor, so they have to know how, what, how to deal with it. But yeah, we find many of them, Ramananda Sambad, or, or which we kind of 
gives in a, how would say, in a nutshell, what the whole chapter is about. So this is the first verse, chapter 19 of Madhilila, which of course will speak about Mahaprabhu's empowering Rupa Goswami for making all this that we call now Gaudiya Sampradaya. <laughs> so the verse says, Vrindavaniyam rasakeli vartam kalena luptam niya shakti mutta sanchare rupe vyatanot punasa pravur vido pragi valoka shrishna. So, <clears throat> there is an analogy made here between Rupa Goswami being instructed and empowered with Mahaprabhu and Sri Brahma receiving illumination at the beginning of creation by Sri Krishna himself. So the verse, the translation given by Srila Prabhupada says, Before the creation of this cosmic manifestation, the Lord enlightened the heart of Lord Brahma with the details of the creation and manifested the Vedic knowledge. In exactly the same way, the Lord, being anxious to revive the Vrindavan pastimes of Sri Krishna, impregnated the heart of Rupa Goswami with spiritual potency. By this potency, Srila Rupa Goswami could revive the activities of Krishna in Vrindavan, activities almost lost to memory. In this way, he spread Krishna consciousness throughout the world. So, this is a very interesting verse in Chaitanya Charitamrita, which shows, creates this parallel between Rupa Goswami and Brahma. Sometimes that comparison has been given in different, in some books of Rupa Goswami. Of course, Rupa Goswami is Rupa Manjari, but in, here and there also he has been connected with Brahma. For different reasons, but in this case, like the mastermind of the Sampradaya. So, of course, we could say also there's here two beginnings of our Sampradaya being mentioned. First, Krishna with Brahma, because that's in one sense the official beginning of our Sampradaya beginning of creation, Krishna, first member of the Parampara, enlightening Brahma, when there's nobody else there to enlighten, <laughs> and, and giving eventually, as we know, Chatur Shloki, Bhagavat, and, and so on. And all that is part of what we call nowadays as Gaudiya Sampradaya, but then Krishna himself coming as Mahaprabhu, and similarly enlightening, in this case, Srila Rupa Goswami. <clears throat> Interestingly, in the beginning of creation, Brahma receives what we call antardarshan. So antardarshan means you see Krishna in your, how do you say, inner quarters, <laughs> in your inner self. Krishna is not appearing outside, but inside. And with Sri Rupa and Mahaprabhu, Krishna is appearing outside. So generally it's considered there. The Bahir Darshan <laughs> as high, basically. And Krishna is not only appearing inside of you, but in front of you as well. So, we, we, we will speak in terms of an upgraded uh, inaugura re-inauguration of the Sampradaya when, when Mahaprabhu is instructing Srila Rupa Goswami. Of course, there are many other, we may speak about other beginnings of the Sampradaya from different sites. My Guru Maharaj likes to to also present the, the importance of Trinityananda Prabhu as another form of inauguration of the Gaudiya Sampradaya, not officially, but extra, extra officially, when he started to go door by door and basically beg. Bhajagurangakagurangalahagurangirinam, Trijanagurangibhadam, etc. 
And everyone was, the whole neighborhood was converted, basically. Imagine you know, someone like Nityananda Prabhu crying, knocking your door, begging, crying, and giving Mahaprabhu with full hands, full disposition, and I sell myself to you if you just see, say, Gauranga, <laughs> who could resist that idea. No? So that was like one very interesting beginning of the, or re-beginning of the Gaudiya Sampradaya. He traveling with his... Mm, Associates, Duadas Agupal, and starting to initiate villages and villages and villages before the Goswamis themselves have um, systematized Mahaprabhu's ecstasy in the form of their books. Mm-hmm. Guru Maharaj likes to describe Mah- the Goswami's books as a soft institutionalization of Mahaprabhu's ecstasy. <laughs> Very interesting idea because it, it gives it's. it's I mean, it's putting the ecstasy something that is really. I mean, if you speak about ecstasy, it may sound too, like, ethereal, if you will. No? <laughs> to, to to put that in a book, it's a form of giving shape to that, no? making that a little bit more approachable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and of course, there's an, an another level of institutionalization that came in time, but the book is in itself a very important poem, as we will see. Especially the books that Srila Rupa Goswami wrote has a lot to do with what Mahaprabhu is about. Even Chaitanya Charitamrita, also my Guru Mahesh will say, Krishna Daskavras is writing it, but it's how Mahaprabhu is seen through the eyes of Srila Rupa Goswami. Srila Rupa Goswami is there as a lens for, for all of us. We may know it, we may not know it. We may, may think about Krishna and Mahaprabhu and the practice in a certain way, and we, we may not know the one to, to blame is Chilarupa Goswami, if you will. <laughs> but eventually in time it's nice to awake to those realities, to say, oh, mm, this particular way of seeing Krishna Mahaprabhu, the practice, life in itself, oh, this person is instrumental, is crucial in, in, in this idea, his contribution is that. So my, what I thought it was my, my own view of, of, of things, has a connection with someone else who thought in this way before. So it's important to awake to this type of things. You know? <laughs> and you start to realize how much indebted you are, you know, and how, um, how much you have received from so many sources even without knowing that. That's a very humbling and necessary experience. The, the, more, the more we progress, how much we... Yeah, we are being sustained by the contribution of our previous acharya. So, again, yeah, Nityananda Prabhu is the first contributor we have to mention, not only the concept of Krishna Bhakti, but this is special also emphasis in Gaur Bhakti. Mahaprabhu say chant Krishna, Nityananda say chant Gaur. The reality of Gaur Lila as a, <coughs> as a unique eternal window of opportunity. But going back to Srila Rupa Goswami, Srila Prabhupada will say interestingly, in the line of the famous verse, Richaitanya Manovishtam, I'm sitting like this, I don't know, someone. The function of Rupa Goswami is to (coughs) establish the feelings of Sri Chaitanya. That's the function. Again, going back to the idea of the mission. Each Goswami is empowered to to engage in a particular function in connection to what Mahaprabhu is about. Every Goswami is exhibiting a complementary... I mean, they are like a 
unit. It's, it's nice how they are called. I mean, they are the six Goswamis. They are individuals, they are unique in themselves, but also they are an <coughs> inseparable, inseparable unit at the same time. Teamwork. They are a teamwork. Not only in sitting with his, their books and sharing thoughts and peer review, as we mentioned these days, also that's crucial, but also in, in the functions and how Mahaprabhu empowered them in a complementary way so they could perform different functions that all put together, again, make what we call Gaudiya Sampradaya. And as we will see, every Goswami's contribution and function is crucial, even though that of those who may not seem so, like, overtly crucial, like, I don't know, Raghunath Bhatta Goswami. What did Raghunath Bhatta Goswami do? Some may say, well, his main service was cooking. Someone has to cook. <laughs> well, I think all of you have experience in this retreat. Now, if prasada is not in place, retreat is not in place. We leave the place altogether. <laughs> Someone has to cook. He was also so much famous for reciting the Bhagavatam in different tunes and ragas with particular feeling. And someone said, and that was it? <laughs> yeah, that was it. Mm. But with full feeling. Mm. Full feeling. That's what sometimes it is described. For example, Sri Thakur Bhaktivinoda is described in, in his Nitya Swarup in Brajas Kamala Manjari. He's doing comfort lamps for eternity. I mean, it's not that he doesn't do anything else. <laughs> And there's some other necessity of service. Oh no, I only do come for lunch. But the, the emphasis is for. I mean, try to imagine if I tell you you have to do come for lunch for a few hours. Still, it starts to become problem basically. No? So what to speak of eternity? Because the, the the thing is not so much. I want me to think, come for lamps only. Cannot I open a temple and write some books and open a mission? Only come for lamps for eternity. <laughs> <laughs> but, but which is the flame of that comfort lamp <laughs> no, or which is the place where you are doing each one of them no, it has such a repercussion in, in eternity that it's more enough but one of those comfort lamps are more valuable than hundreds and hundreds of buildings and bricks and, and, and marble put together <laughs> so that's the power of that realm. My Guru Mahārāj will say, when one of those village girls, like the Goswamis, they are manjaris in Vrindavan, one of them come there, and only one point of, of, of all that they are about, they have so much knowledge. In the, in the Brajalila, they are similar to uncivilized village girls. They won't, quote, they won't know any single Vedic stotram by heart. <laughs> but when they come here... They are drowning the whole universe with oceans of knowledge because that's the necessity of the moment mm-hmm. to exhibit some knowledge, some varagya. We will speak about that maybe today in the afternoon. Have you sung till now Satgoswami Astakam? Not yet. We may sing it today and then try to elaborate on that. But how the Goswami is exhibited mm-hmm. all this knowledge, all this varagya which is there in Braj in the background underlying reality, but it's not coming to the foreground because it's not necessarily for the mood of the Lila. So the Siramaras will give this example like United States having, well at that time, no, no I don't know now, maybe Russia now or China, <laughs> which is the most powerful uh, 
weapon country in the world? U.S. U.S. Okay, still U.S. Still, Silvester Maras's example remains updated. So he say they have all these tanks and bombs, but they are not parading on the on a daily basis on the street because that will create some interruption on the natural flow of relationships. But if someone is attacking the place, all the stuff will come from the Pentagon and all these sections where they have all this stuff. So that's there, but not necessity of that. So, but whenever that's needed, that comes up. So in Brach, this this peaceful, idyllic, bucolic lifestyle, no need for renunciation and knowledge. That will be a disturbance there. But when they, those same people come here to the world to establish a mission, as we mentioned, that's required, that counts. One single village girl from there can drown the whole world. So Rupa Goswami is one of them. So, as we mentioned, he, his mission, Sela Prabhupada will say, is to establish his function, Rupa Goswami's function. Remember, we are speaking about each Goswami having a complementary function. Some may be totally well-known, Rupa Goswami will be like, okay, he's Rupa Goswami. As we mentioned, Raghunath Bhatta, he may be the anonymous Goswami. Someone has to be the anonymous also, that's a function. Someone has to contribute with an anonymity? Anonymity. Anonymity. That's a contribution in itself. Or what Gopal Bhatti yesterday was a little bit like that also. Didn't mention my name anywhere. And that's a contribution. <laughs> and some others will be in the spotlight with full humility. That's a contribution. Hmm. So, the, mission, the, the function of Rupa Goswami Prabhupada will say it's establish the feelings of Tri Chaitanya. This is, not a, this is not a joke. This is a very delicate, very uh, artful hmm, uh, notion. Hmm. And, uh, of course, that means what is Mahaprabhu about, what he's experiencing. And in order to do so, again, as we mentioned these days, He's not writing directly, immediately, overtly about Mahaprabhu, but he's writing a lot about Krishna and Vrindavan and Radha and describing the Absolute in terms of Rasa, which is a really uh, important contribution by Srila Rupa Goswami, which will require lots of hours to unpack. <laughs> but this is a very unique notion that Brahman is Rasa. I mean, it's mentioned. <coughs> Here and there, Taitiri Upanishad say Rasu Rasam Bhavati. But that line also can be taken in different ways. Srila Rupa Goswami took that Upanishadic dictum and made the whole doctrine out of that. Bhagavan is aesthetic, the words of my Guru Mahārāj, sacred aesthetic rapture. That's one way of translating Rasa. Another way of translating Rasa, Brigupan, what will we say? It's a very good translation. Okay, let's keep there. I was not saying it was not good enough, just in case. <laughs> so rasa has to do with this. Of course, it's a very complex expression, but it has a lot to do with dramatic uh, dynamics, no? with, with arts and beauty and the capacity of how all of our being can be consumed by a particular type of emotional experience, basically. And, of course, that's connected with something that was already in place at the time, called Natya Shastra of Bharat, Bharat Muni, which is this dramatic scripture, basically, on the different, like... And I particularly feel so much attracted to this when I met the devotees. I mean, I didn't know all the details, but I was 
studying Indian classical music at the time, and there is a lot about Tal and Raga and Rasa, and being a Sahridai and being a proper uh, empathic audience and relishing the different new. Uh, so, and then finally, oh, there's a whole spiritual process presented in those terms. That's why, like, wow. If you're an artist, for sure, that will be a, <laughs> a tempting venue to, to enter. So Rupa Goswami made this whole thing in, in his in books like Bhaktira Sambrita Sindhu, he's presenting Krishna and the whole Bhagavad doctrine, but all seen through the lens of Rasa and explaining how, of course, Bharat Muni didn't speak about all the Rasas as, as Rupa Goswami spoke, five primary ones, seven secondary ones, we won't explain that in detail now. But Rupa Goswami took that and started to analyze how Braja Krishna in particular is the perfect fit, what we ha what we may call Akila Rasamrita Murti, of the perfect object of Rasa. Hmm? There are many verses in the Bhagavatam that depict this, no? when Krishna is entering the arena uh, to fight with Kamsa, and everyone is seeing him according to their own Bhava, basically, and there's a verse in the Bhagavatam mentioned how 12 different types of people see Krishna according to the 12 rasas that Rupa Goswami present, the five primary, the seven secondary. There's another verse when Krishna is lifting Govardhan, which shows, in, in this case, how not everyone else feels all these different rasas simultaneously in relation to him, but how he himself experiences the 12 main rasas <coughs> simultaneously while lifting Govardhan in connection to the different devotees and experiences. So from the two sides, Krishna is this Akila Rasa and Vritamurti, the, the, the very term Rasa, ultimately connects to him to Rupa Goswami books like Bhakti Rasa and Sindhu, Uchvalni Lamani. <clears throat> He's doing that. He's presenting the absolute in aesthetic terms, in terms of the ultimacy of, of charm and beauty and, and the perfect uh, fit for all of our emotional uh, how do you say? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> because again, at the end of the day, we are still emotional beings. So, and, and Bhakti is not about doing away with emotions, because sometimes that, that, that could be a mistake. In the name of transcendence, we became a stone, basically. <laughs> and stop feeling altogether, and that's forbidding, and that's maya, and... and, and, and but, I mean... But Mahaprabhu was criticized also by being too emotional, <laughs> but by those who, whose heart was like a stone, basically. But the very goal of Bhakti is hmm, to melt the heart. Hmm. And the melting of the heart is, is done on, in, on emotional terms, but a certain particular type of emotion, for sure. We are, we are in the very beginning of the practice, we cannot just make a quantum leap to, to Bhava Sindhu, to the ocean of emotions, we can enter into another Bhava Sindhu, which is Samsara, is another way of speaking of <laughs> So, in the beginning we have to di discipline, discipline our emotional makeup, and, and filtering it through the lens of Shastra. So the Goswamis very interestingly have provided that as well. They have provided our Bhakti Shastras, lots of philosophy as we will say, lots of Siddhanta, lots of Tattva, to put our emotion, our material emotions in context, to put our Mm. dislocated emotional makeup <laughs> centered in, in, the, in the perfect object of all emotions and on top of that 
whole new emotional life will come. So Rupa Goswami presented in his treatises all these Bhaktira Samrita Sindhuj, Nilamani, and many others. You know, interestingly, books like Lalit Madhava and Vidagda Madhava, they are dramas, they are plays that he wrote. You know, it's very interesting to, to study them, very aesthetic. I mean, if you have to really enter into the, the language of reading a, a drama. Recently I was studying these two and at one point it was complex for me to study them because there was so much <laughs> uh, dramatic ingredients that if you are not familiar with them you just kind of follow the, the whole sequence of dialogue and so much indirect language, so much Baroque Shabbat that it becomes so indirect that, <laughs> that it kind of like get you get lost into because it's really indirect, but the indirect indirectness uh, has a particular charm. But we have again, it, it, it requires some discipline and some training of the ear on, on how to appreciate all these type of things. Rupa Goswami wrote a lot. We cannot go in detail with that. He to say he wrote more than one hundred thousand verses. So not as much as Jiva Goswami, for example, but that's still. <clears throat> good amount, different books, Lagu Bhagavatamrita and Stavamala, the compilation of different stotrans and Padyavali, Padeshamrita, Udab Sandesh, Hamsaduta, Lalit Mahala, Vidakta and so on. Utkali Kavalari, that's a very nice book he wrote at the end of his life. The, we find different types of writings in Rupa Utkali Kavalari has to do with exclusively Manjari Baba and it's a whole series of desperate prayers in that connection and it is said that the last book he he wrote so also interestingly sometimes in the Goswamis we can see some like how to say unfolding of their presentation and, and we see that the very last works generally are hard more to have more to do with realm of Rasa and Bhava and the particular ideal and and desperate trying to enter there hmm. but at the same time and hopefully you give me some extra minutes today. Uh, <clears throat> at the same time, in someone like Rupa Goswami, you find a, a very interesting combination of ingredients because we may hear a little say, okay, he's so high writing about Rasa and Bhava and all this stuff, So, but I'm over here, so I, I don't know if I can relate to a person like him in, in any way because it seems to be like living so much in the the heights of transcendence so. but also at the same time they, the Goswamis in general Rupa Goswami in particular he exhibited so many uh, like how to say human common sense and practical criterion about how to deal in the world and the need for that in the context of service serving Mahaprabhu you know, so that we have also maybe relate with that more than with still with dramatic, rustic sensibilities, and so we have to begin somewhere, no? <laughs> so, for example, we have the, f the famous moment when Rupa Goswami divided the wealth he has and giving some in charity to the Brahmins, giving some to uh, Sanatan Goswami and, and saving, some, uh, giving something, sorry, to the family and saving something for emergency cases, no? which eventually were used for Sanatan Goswami mm -hmm. to be freed from the from prison. So that's an interesting point because I mean he's Rupa Goswami. You can say and whatever. So many things one could say. You are keeping something, you are not a Goswami or something like that. 
Like he's not keeping something for him. He knew. I mean, the, the, the climate of the time is such that there may be an emergency situation at any moment. So he considered, I will keep this. And at the same time, family is there, Brahmins are there, so Brahmins means social considerations are there. And still, Lokabichar, in the words of Rupa Goswami, Lokabichar means the consideration of the world. Now, what the world is public opinion. On some level, that's to be taken care of, especially if you're inaugurating a Sampradaya, what the world will say about this thing. New guys saying that the Bengali boy now is their god and so on. There, there has to be some grounding in, in every sense, in practical reality as well. So he was really very expertly navigating these waters and of the social time. For example, when he constructed the Govindaji Mandir in Vrindavan. Have you had the chance of being there? Who had the chance of being Radha Govindaji? Okay. <laughs> That's a unique piece of art to begin with. No, I mean, what to speak about the, of course, inner significance. But And if you have some taste for that, you will realize this is not only Indian architecture. There are some Muslim ingredients mixed there. And there is a purpose for that. It's not just like Rupa... Goswami had some still some an art towards Muslim culture and he was attached to that and he couldn't just like, it was not that. No. <laughs> He's coming from Golok Brindavan. He knows how the temples are constructed there. No? <laughs> and I, there's no Muslim sensibilities there with, with all respect for sure. <laughs> but he considered we have to include that here because the situation is such, the times are such, society is such. I mean, Indian were ruled by Muslims at the time, so it's a way of, and he was himself, he was, um, how do you say, sponsored at times by by Muslim rulers. It's not that only Indians were like, okay, let's go Jai Rupa Goswami. So it was a very expert way of dealing with the world. And he was Rupa Goswami, yeah. My Guru Mahal will say, he had this huge temple, <laughs> but he himself was sleeping under a different tree every night. So it's not that the temple was for him and he was concerned. I mean, he has his own inner life and he was Rupa Goswami 24-7. <laughs> but also being Rupa Goswami 24-7 implied dealing with with the world and with reality in a very practical, landed to our way. You know? So this is an important point because sometimes we as devotees may like not be very expert in like harmonizing these two sides, no? the side of transcendence and the deepest reach of the tradition and the world. <laughs> or what we were saying before, no? like very specific and detailed in our ultimate attainment and universal at the same time, no? having the capacity of, of dealing, dealing with others and so on. So, so some ideas I want to share with you today about Rupa Goswami and being a Rupanuga, which also we spoke these days, the term Rupanuga follows of Sri Rupa, both in terms of his identity as Rupa Goswami and for those who had affinity towards the ideal of Rupa Manjari as, as the leader, also being a Rupanuga is there is a place for that there, but again, you can be a Rupanuga while while having another affinity that apart from that of, of Manjari Bab, that's an important point that sometimes have created some 
friction <laughs> among some members of the Gaudiya community by thinking only you are Rupanuga, you follow Rupa Goswami in every single sense of the term and so on. I, mean, I, I don't think that if you have some affinity for towards whatever, Priyanarama Sakya Baba or something, you are not following Rupa Goswami in every sense of the term. There are so many ways of following Rupa Goswami in every sense of the term also. <laughs> So, this Rupanuga Bhakti, again, it's a very specific thing. It sounds like a form of exclusivism or sectarianism. But it's not, I mean, there's a way to speak about being sectarian in a healthy way. The word sect is not necessarily something wrong. You belong to a particular sect, to a particular group, with a particular focus. And there's place for that. While at the same time, you can appreciate and nourish from the contributions of everyone else. That's, that's a very challenge and ideal for us as Rupanugas, no? in the name of pursuing our specific ideal at the same time, how we can remain universal and nourished from everyone. That's a standard established by the Goswamis themselves. No? I, and with this I, I, I close. I remember Sanatana Goswami mentioning this over and over again in his Brihad Bhagavatamrita with the ontological journey of of Gopakumar, for example, and Gopakumar has his ideal Sakyabhav, Vrindavan, from Madan Gopal. But on the way, he's finding so many devotees with so many affinities for different faces of the Absolute again. So you may think, oh, this will end in a constant clashing. No? But no, that's not the case. No? For example, when he meets Hanuman in Ajodhya, uh, the two of them meet each other and they realize oh, our Ishtadev is. Raja Krishna, Ramachandra, but again, in Tattva, they are the same person. Remember this part. Yesterday, when Katavata say the same thing, Nara and Krishna are the same. So, Gopakumar, what did Gopakumar ask Hanuman? He didn't say, You have to surrender, I convert to my Ishtadev and Ramachandra. There is no such deep rasa as you find in Vrindavan. He didn't say nothing like that. He said, Please glorify your, your Prabhu, your Ishtadev. Sri Ram. So Hanuman started <laughs> glorifying Sri Ram. And Gopakumar heard the whole glorification and his conclusion was Jai Madangopa. <laughs> he he saw, oh my my bhakti for my deity has been nourished by hearing your glorification of your deity. <laughs> Thank you so much. And then Hanuman said, Please chant the glories of your Prabhu, chant the glories of Madangopa. So Gopakumar starts you now <laughs> performing. Kirtan and that and, and, and Hanuman hears, 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 yeah, and at the end he will say what? Jai Sri Ram. <laughs> so that's the perfection of ecumenical dialogue, if you will. No? I mean we meet each other not to try to convince you are lower and higher or whatever, but like to nourish from your particular perspective. Oh, oh that's important. And, and and that's the way, you know, if if you find some devotee of that's the same applies amongst us as sadhakas. If you find a disciple of, of someone who is not your guru, you won't try to convince that person, glorify my guru or something. No? Do you know about the glories of my guru? <laughs> but you will humbly ask me to please say, sing the qualities of your, of your Prabhu, of your guru. There. By hearing that, it's not that my faith starts to become disturbed. Oh, I, got, I want to get reinitiated now or something. But... But I feel, oh, thank you so much. You, know, you have nourished my faith in, in, in the Guru Tattva principle. And I appreciate the position of your Gurudev. And 
naturally then will be a chance for speaking about the glories of Wangs, Gurudev. That's the idea. And that's how it works in the in the higher quarters, basically. <laughs> so if you want to enter there, if you want to approach there to get closer and closer to there, we have to begin here and now. And again, the Goswamis are really our standard for everything, basically. And this is no exception to that rule. So. Some ideas. I don't know if there is any question you may like to share or present today. Comments? In the last part, I was wondering, if, is there Ram Bhaktas in the Nitya Lila then? Like, all Which? kinds of different Bhaktas? In, uh, in the Gaur Lila, in Nitya Navadvip, is there going to be like Ram Bhaktas that we can have this kind of ecumenical glorification, nourishing glorification? Don't, with? don't kick Murari Gupta out of Nitya Navadvip, please. Right. <laughs> you want to meet Murari Gupta there? Uh, you will. <laughs> yeah, Gorlila offers that particular possibility, no? Interestingly. So so yeah, if you say that personalities like like Murari Gupta or um what's the name? Balava. I mean Balava I mean Anupam, not Balavacharya, but Rupa and Sanatan's brother. I mean they have another brother, they were brothers in themselves, Rupa and Sanatan, but there was a third one, as you know, he was having this affinity towards Ram Bhakti. Even though he had these two I mean, powerful personifications of Braja Bhakti Samskars <laughs> in his life, but it is said he was inclining to this direction, and Mahaprabhu approved that. He said, blessed is that devotee who cannot give up his Lord, and blessed is that Lord who won't give up his devotee. <laughs> so in this way, <coughs> yeah, there is place for for Ram Bhaktas in Gorlila. Gorlila is really accommodating, very interesting experience. So that's a very important venue to 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 investigate Gorlila in eternity and all that takes place there. Something else from the devotees also sorry connected here I will give the chance to unmute in case you have any question but from the ones present here uh, yeah. okay yeah uh, uh, because recently uh, uh, you did the lengthy interview about the, the sort of bunch of controversies and how it relates to uh, like levels of Ari Arikara, like <coughs> how you know mm. so Kanishta and mm. and Madhyam, mm. and how actually only Madhyams are able to properly debate. And I was thinking about how this somehow like <coughs> how this also relates to like uh, Guru Tattva, uh, uh, so many times uh, instead of honoring uh, others. Uh, sacred Guru Nishta, <laughs> uh, they, you know, they see, because so many, you know, different Gurus have different, different emphasis on different details, mm -hmm. and so many times people get caught up in those, mm. those details mm. and say, oh, you know, even to the extent of saying, oh, you know, we are not representing the same Sampradaya because mm -hmm. we different details, so mm -hmm. if you get some, say, something on this, like how this, well, Adhikara proper conduct uh, relating mm. to honoring, mm. honoring <coughs> Vaishnava and Guru. Yeah. Other gurus. Do we have time, Rigupa? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, I know what you are speaking about. I have I've been labeled labeled recently as I do not belong any longer to Bhaktinath Parivar, things like this for some. <laughs> so what to do? <laughs> yeah, I remember my Guru Maharaj will narrate this situation when Dr. Obiel Kapoor, uh, Adikeshav Das, disciple of Prabhupada Bhakti Siddhanta, spoke to Srila Prabhupada in, in, in the last years of his manifest Lila and said, Swami Maharaj, he really he appreciated what Prabhupada was doing and, and told him, he was asking because he was seeing how, there is a place for this as we will see, how Prabhupada was of course emphasizing a lot uh, that his disciples focus on him as his guru. And and of course they at that time there was not that plurality of missions around the world and so on, so there was not too much of other possibilities for Prabhupada's disciples to to look at. No? To begin with with there was no social media even. <laughs> so so Obi Al Kapoor of the case of say tell Prabhupada I'm I, I understand I think I understand why you're doing this, but I'm afraid that in time your disciples may just not take seriously anyone apart from you. And and Prabhupada said yeah, I get your point and I understand your concern and I appreciate that. And of course, that's not the idea. But what I'm doing now in this particular stage of culture endurance, and he gave the example of the <clears throat> like putting the seed in the ground and I'm watering that, I'm, I'm nourishing their process in these initial stages and I have put some fence around. So the fence is there, so whoever is growing inside doesn't, doesn't know anything outside of the fence. No, it's not thinking outside the box, as they say. No, it's only inside the fence. Only me, only this, there's nothing else. Do not. But as they are growing inside the fence properly, because they are growing, they're being nourished by me, he was saying. At one point, the seed became a sprout, and the sprout starts to grow, and, and, and it starts to become vine-like, vine and starts to grow outside of the fence, and starts to realize, oh... There are many other fences and, <laughs> and sprouts and vines and, and sadhus. But at that point, they already have the proper like rooting. So they are able to deal with that otherwise overwhelming diversity outside of the fence. But before, I mean, the, the standard to know when you are able to deal with that is when you are seeing outside above the fence. Before that, you, if you cannot see anything else, it means you, you have to remain there. So there is a place for for that type of sectarianism, if you will, in, in, the, in the context of taking care hmm, of, of the baby, basically. No? It's like you have a baby, three-month-old month baby, I mean, you cannot just expose the baby to anything and just let him know the world and experience things and relate to people. Uh, I mean, <laughs> he has to be somehow, like, I, I, isolated in one level for nourishing, for taking care, so... So in that context, that's why it's mentioned that if someone has a, a Kanishta orientation, and, and that we try to make clear, it's not a fault to be a Kanishta, it's not a, uh, something that shouldn't be happening, it's something that should happen. I mean, that's the beginning of Bhakti Adhikar, so that's glorious in itself, but that's not the, the last stop of the journey, if you will. So for those who are in that stage, ideally, they should be under the guidance of someone who is not in that stage, <laughs> but higher at least Madhya and Uttam, so that person will know how to deal with them, as Srila Prabhupada was doing so expertly, 
nourishing them and taking care of them, but knowing in time they are expected to see beyond that. And, uh, <clears throat> and of course, regarding your question, it's complex because it's not like this is the magical formula for their... So we don't have any more conflicts and any more struggles in social media. And I'm proud, I mean, that will still happen. Bhaktivinoda Thakur himself mentioned this idea that among the Kanishta and the Madhyam, there's, is it, that's a difficult combination. <laughs> because there are two different constellations altogether. What one needs to grow and to feel nourished will be an obstacle for the other person. will be like suffocating for the Madhyam. <laughs> but whatever the Madhyam needs, you know, depth and variety and nuanced thoughts and gray and not black and white, that will suffocate the Kanishta. <laughs> the Kanishta will need a much more like maybe simplistic or and again it's not that this is wrong, this is bad. I will even say I wouldn't even say this is better or worse in one sense. Even though Kanishta is expected to go to Madhyam and so on. At the same time it's the best thing for each one of them. That's my point. I mean if you really need to be a Kanishta, the best thing possible for you is to be a Kanishta. Proper. But that implies also that you you will be protected from the Madhyams or something. <laughs> <laughs> and vice versa. No, but but again this is not that it's delicate because nowadays with social media and all this stuff, all the things get so much like mixed because as we were I was speaking with Nam Rasa recently, for example, we were having this discussion recently of does uh, the jiva fall from Golok, does the jiva fall from Balkuntha, does the jiva fall from Brahman, does the jiva fall from anywhere <laughs> or, or where does the jiva come from does it come from anywhere is there some and all these type of things that some may think about again i received lots of messages saying to me maraj why you are speaking about these things i mean there's no need to think about those things you see the gopis the gopis are not speaking philosophy they're just happy knowing that krishna loves them and that they love krishna so and and I respected the opinion of the person. I, I mean, basically, I felt you need not to think about the thing, and it's perfect. But the danger is you are trying to convince me that I shouldn't also think about the things while I may need that. So, and by the way, those girls in Vrindavan that do not know anything when they come in Gorlila are the ones who wrote all the books we are trying to quote when discussing this topic. So, <laughs> there is a connection there. But the point we were saying is that some of these discussions are not for everyone, everyone, and not to enter into some sort of elitistic puffed up and only it's reserved from this from that, but in a sensitive way and trying to think how to better serve each person, how to render seva. Rupa Goswami says that, no? You have to nourish the innocent, you have to worship, love Bhagavan, be friends with the devotee and avoid the envious. But he says, all of those types of criterion are to be engaged in in the context of seva. How I can better serve the envious, avoiding them. What to do? I will. I would like to embrace them, but envy doesn't allow that. So the best possible thing I can do in service of them is take a distance. But still, I do that in service, <laughs> in the spirit of service. So it's important to have that in mind. Whatever stance I take with Kanishta, Madhyam, whatever. It's all in the context of rendering seva, not that thinking, oh, you're a Kanishta and this and that. So the point is, 
some of these topics are not for everyone, but social media means I click something and I'm in the discussion that I don't have a clue if this is for me or not. And I didn't ask permission to anyone to click link because I understand it may not be practical to write an email to your guru and send the link. And Guru Dev, do you give me blessings to enter into this link? It's about to start. Please reply quickly or something. <laughs> it's a very different dynamic than the disciple being in the guru cool with the guru living together and, and, and receiving personality. The world has changed, so that brought, brings some challenges. But nonetheless, I think... Again, some of these conflicts may be unavoidable, but ideally we should try to avoid them as much as we can by promoting with our own example and our own immediate circle. Like I think nowadays this is a very nice concrete proof of that. We are so many different from different sanghas and affinities and disciples of different gurus and um, we are not jumping on each other's neck, hopefully. <laughs> There are two more days, let's see. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the idea. No? I mean, of course, each one will need their, our own space and inner circle for more intimate things or for really expressing certain feelings in connection to one's guru, and that's perfect. But there's also a place for getting together like now and, and sharing in so many ways. And, and that's a really, for me, powerful like reference for the Vaishnav world. Hey guys, it's possible. <laughs> we cannot kill each other and get together at the same time. But yeah, at the same time, certain certain maturity has to be there, and a lot has to do with if we don't have that maturity, at least what who who is guiding us? Uh, what's the maturity coming from from that side? Because if you are sectarian, narrow minded, and the ones guiding you have the same mindset, <laughs> that may be more complicated. And again, each case is very unique. <clears throat> but yeah, somehow we should try to to promote that by by example. I was saying some ideas. I don't know if that helps. <clears throat> there were some other hands raised. No, you raised your hand before. Yeah, but yeah, I can ask it later or something. Okay. Yeah, I will say because now it's nine twenty, so we don't go. If it's no problem, if it's no urge, we can today later we can. After the lecture, continue with more Q&A. So, thank you so much for your time again. Shila Gurudev Ki Jai. Jiman Shishat Bhuj Gauranga Mahaprabhu Ki Jai. Harinam Sankirtan Ki Jai. Rupa Sanatam Bhatta Raghunath Sri Jeeva Gopal Bhatta Das Raghunath Sat Goswami Prabhu Ki Jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai. Gaur Pramanan Nadi.